following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am lying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those, uh, for who, but for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, we will be looking at some other scriptures, but we, uh, we, we want to take uh, the opportunity this morning to talk a little bit about what the church is and how to be the church, and specifically what it means for us as uh, Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship, a local church here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, what it means for us to be the church. Um, and as I said, we are introducing a new thing, always a scary thing to introduce new things. And so uh, don't, don't panic, though. Uh, it won't be painful, I hope. And it's an optional thing. So we're not, this is not a, a thing we're going to make anybody do, right? We, we will love you if you like my thing or not. It's my idea. So if it's a bad idea, we can still be friends. Don't, don't burn me at the stake, okay? Uh, and I, I'm not sure if this thing is actually like a program or a plan. I, I don't really know what it is. But it, so I'm just calling it a thing called Covenant Community, uh, and it's, it's, it's something that uh, myself and the elders have been working on planning for about a year, actually, uh, that we hope will help CCF as a church work better and be more what, what God calls the church to be, uh, a way for us as elders and leaders to serve you better as our congregation, as, a, as the body, uh, and to help all of us together function more as, as the church according to what the Bible says that the church should be. Uh, so what is covenant community? Uh, the simple answer, we'll take the next two weeks to explain it in more detail, but basically uh, what it is is a way for us to make more clear the kind of relationship we have with each other. Uh, believe it or not, we are here in, in relationship, uh, but what is that relationship? Uh, what is your relationship to CCF as a church? What is our relationship to you as pastors and elders and shepherds? And what is our relationship to each other as the body of Christ? And that's what we hope this thing, <laughs> coming to community, will help us spell out more clearly um, uh, and, and what it looks like. Uh, at first glance, it, it may you may think, well, this is just church membership. It's not church membership. Uh, and part of the reason we, we don't really want to go down that path is that we, we recognize that a lot of you uh, come here from a, a church that sent you out. You're representing that church. You still have 
deep, committed relationships with that church. And so you're a member of that church in your home country, your home country. And you will go back to that church and you answer. You have accountability to that church and to those leaders. And so CCF is never going to be a, a replacement for that. Um, so it's not, it's not about church membership. Uh, it's also not about small groups. Okay, just to, some of you are like panicking. We're going to make us join a small group. Uh, heaven forbid. Um, not about small groups. And uh, we'll kind of explain why later. Uh, I do think that... Um, a huge part of what it means to be the church is to be in in, in, in small group. You know, uh, we meet big, we meet small. Um, but we, we recognize the reality that many of you are in organizations and ministries and groups where those, those kind of groups already exist. And we don't want to add on more layers of just meetings or groups or relationships that, that you don't have capacity for, space for in your already full life. So it's not about small groups. Uh, it really is just about a way of clarifying our relationship. That's really what it is, clarifying and spelling out more clearly our relationship. Now, before I really go into detail about what the plan is, uh, let me explain a little bit why I feel this is necessary. Why do we need this? Um, uh, a lot of people probably think, well, we don't really think we do need this, which is fine. Again, it's optional, so if you think you don't need it, fine. Uh, but, but let me explain a little bit why, why I have felt it's necessary. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Chiang Mai is a very unique, uh, strategic place, but unique in terms of doing church. Um, you know, we are all here this morning mostly as non, non-natives of Thailand. A few of you are, and, and it's awesome. But, but the majority of us, this is not our permanent home. Um, uh, and uh, so it makes, it makes the context we're in here as an international church very unique and and, and out of the, of the norm. Um, and over the past 15 years as I've been serving here, I have wrestled with, you know, how do we lead a church like CCF? How do we do this in a way that's life-giving, that's encouraging, supportive, helpful for all of us? And uh, there are many issues that make our context challenging, and I'm not going to go into all of them. But a couple of them that I would just highlight real quickly. One is the size of the church. Uh, if you've been around long, you know that I came from a very small rural church uh, that I planted uh, now 26, 27 years ago. I'm getting old. Uh, at that rural church in Colorado, our very first Sunday there, there were 12 people. Half of those were my family, right? So, you know, shepherding, pastoring, leading a church that side was, was a fairly simple thing because I knew everybody and I was related to half of them. Um, and, and really, I could shepherd and take care of people all by myself. Uh, even as the church grew and became bigger, I, I was really seen as the, sh- the pastor. And going, if I could go back and do over that, I would have done things differently. But uh, the reality is I, I could shepherd that church, and it grew eventually to be uh, 100, 150 people. And even in that size, uh, I, could, I could look after people. I could know people. I could shepherd them. Um, but CCF is far beyond what one person can manage. And it took me a while coming from that rural church background to figure that out, um, that there's too many people, uh, just way too many people uh, for me to take care of all of you by myself. I love you all. I would love to know you all. There aren't enough hours in the day for me to do that. So, uh, so we need to come up with a plan to spread out that shepherding role. And this seems like an easy problem to solve, Right. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. 
you just get more shepherds and you just divide up the people among all the shepherds. Piece of cake, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, we've tried to do this. We've tried to do this on multiple times in multiple ways, and it has failed every time. Uh, and right now we have a great group of elders. We have really uh, probably almost enough elders that we could divide you all up, but it just doesn't work. And it, it brings up the second and really bigger issue of our context, and that is you all, uh, we all, are a very, very highly transient group of people who, for the most part, do not consider Ching Mai our permanent home. Um, you know, CCF really is a revolving door of people. People come and go at, at an incredible rate. Um, and assigning elders to a set group of people has never worked because we've been, we haven't been able to pin down who they are. Right? It's just been very challenging and difficult. Um, in my rural church in Colorado, like I said, even when I got up to be 150 people, I could really shepherd and know all of them. And actually, I could know things about them I really didn't want to know because it was a rural community where it's just kind of the way life worked there. Um, most of my ministry, most of my shepherding did not happen on, uh, on the Sunday morning service. It happened Wednesday at Walmart because um, I would go to Walmart and I would see everybody. And sometimes I'd want to go in and get just like, you know, a jar of jam, and it would take me two hours because wandering through Walmart, I'd, I'd see, I'd talk to 50 people. And that, that was, it was easy there, right? Uh, you could shepherd, you, could, you, you just did life together. You were plugged in in a much easier way. Here, I can't even keep track of people's names. And people come and go, and uh, I just get their name, you know, and they leave for a year, and they come back, and I don't even recognize them. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's like my brain just can't do this anymore. I'm losing brain cells. And they're like, yeah, you remember me? And it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't. Um, a third problem that, uh, that may or may not be unique to Ching Mai, I'm not sure, but a third issue is that uh, many people, this is not a big deal, and quite honestly, there's a lot of people in this community who don't want to be shepherded. They're, they're like, no, that's, that's not what we're looking here. That's what we're after. Uh, we, we don't really want to be cared for. We want to live our own lives really outside of community. And for whatever reasons, maybe their mission organization has member care systems and structures, and they trust in that, and, and there's this kind of feeling or attitude that, uh, you know, we just want to show up on Sunday morning for a service. That's all we want. Don't, don't shepherd me. Right. So it makes so these things, among others, make uh, make shepherding this flock like herding cats. Really, I mean, it's challenging, um, and it would be very tempting to say, well, maybe we should just give up, right? Maybe we should uh, just uh, give up on this idea of shepherding people, of, of being that kind of church. Focus on a Sunday morning worship service and tell ourselves that's the best that can happen in Chiang Mai. Uh, but but the reality is as we uh, as we read in, in, in uh, as we read in scripture, God has given uh, leaders of the church the responsibility to care for and shepherd God's flock. First uh, Peter five one and two, uh, Peter writes to his fellow elders of God's church to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Command right. It's it's what what we what is put on us as leaders to do. And later he says to do this eagerly. Uh, we, and the reality is we all need 
we all need the care of the body of Christ. Um, we may think we do not need it, but the truth is we do. Uh, and so, as elders, we really do want to do this better. And the covenant community is, is a, I hope, not a failed attempt. I hope a, an effort to help us care for you better. That that's really what it's about, to spell out our relationship in a way that it's clear and that we can better know who you are and uh, better care for you. Um, so today we're going to look at the two parts, covenant and community. Today we're going to focus on the idea of community. What do we mean by community and how does that relate to what the church is? How is the church a community? Right? So we're going to look at that today. And the next Sunday we're going to look at this idea of covenant and why, why, why I believe it's necessary, especially in our context. Um, so today we're going to look at three things about community. First, why there is a lot of confusion about what the church is. And I know some of you are visitors, some of you are not regular, some of you are passing through. And, and uh, But this will be helpful for you because I hope it will help you understand the purpose and function of the church. And one of those things is that I've seen there's a lot of confusion about what the church is and how we fit into it. So we're going to look at that. Secondly, we'll look at, um, at how the church is essentially a community and that that community is vital for our spiritual growth and health. And lastly, we'll look at the church uh, and, and the purpose of this community. What, what is our purpose? What is the ministry of this community? All right, so a lot of stuff we're going to just kind of blow through, so hang on. First thing, a lot of people are very confused about uh, the church, about what the church is. Uh, and it's a bit ironic and uh, interesting that a lot of missionaries, a lot of people who have gone to Bible college and seminary have been in church for like 900 years don't have really any idea what the church is, uh, what it's really all about. And uh, I've had lots of people talk to me over the, the last 15 years who come to me and said something to the effect that before they came to Thailand, the church was a very meaningful part of their life. Uh, they, they, they were plugged into church. They understood church. It, it fits some place in their life. And they said they came to Chiang Mai, and all of a sudden they had no idea really where they fit in church and what church was about. Uh, and it is, it is a bit different here. Um, so a lot of people uh, are confused, and you may not be. Um, but, but I do think there is a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. And um, I'm not going to talk about all the reasons, and I don't, need, I don't begin to know them all. But here's one. Uh, uh, I think one uh, misunderstanding that leads to a lot of confusion about uh, the church, and specifically the local church, what it means to connect with a fellowship like CCF. And that misunderstanding is, um, is, is not understanding the relationship between the universal church and the visible church. Universal church and visible church. Big words uh, with meaning that has come to us from church history. What is the universal church? Well, it's really what the church is in its purest, most grand form. Uh, from the earliest days, the church of church history, way back to the time of the apostles, they understood the church to be universal. And by that it means it's the community of all true believers for all time. Right? So, so you are all, we are all in Christ, a part of a universal church that expands from, uh, from Peter and, and the early apostles to the last person who will come to, to Jesus before his return. Uh, all believers in all places. So we together are part of the church. 
And when, when God looks at his church universally, sees every believer living in the world today, and we are together one church. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the word Catholic actually means universal. And the Catholic Church for a thousand years plus existed as the universal church, the Catholic Church. That's what it meant. It's not a denomination label. Like Baptist means, you know, we dunk people a certain way. Um, Catholic means universal. It means this is the church, the universal church, all believers everywhere at all times. Um, um, so that's the, that's the universal church. Then there's visible church. Okay, visible church is, uh, well, let me back up. The universal church is somewhat invisible, especially for the dead people, right? Like if the church is all believers of all time, we can't go see the, the believers who lived 100 years ago or 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. To us, they're invisible. They're gone. Likewise, there are people all around the world who are believers, but we largely don't know them. They are invisible to us. So we also talk about the church being visible. And that really means the, the, the church that we see, where we live. And that, that, that means the local fellowship of Christians. So CCF is a... It's part of the universal church, but it's also a, a visible expression of the church. Uh, and we kind of connect with it. We think about this place and these people and, and uh, what it looks like when we come and gather. Right? This is the visible church. Um, um, so, so it's this local fellowship of believers. Um, so here's where the confusion starts. Okay, so back, way back, some church history, quick church, church history lesson. Back when it was just the Catholic Church, um, they had this belief that uh, salvation and God's grace came to you through the church. Right. So what that meant is if, if you were going to get saved, you, you really got saved through the, the, the means, the mediation, the agency of the church. So the priests and the, the, the missionaries, the monks, the church itself. And even the, the way the ordinances like communion were, were given were delivered all through the church. Um, and, you know, for us, it's a little hard for us to understand this, but a thousand years ago, 2000 years, well, 1500 years ago, the universal church and the visible church were very much the same thing. Right. If you if you were a Christian, if you were in the universal church, you were in the visible church and they were basically the same thing. The the one holy Catholic church, universal church. Um, and and uh, there really wasn't such a thing as people who got saved outside of the church because of this, this thinking that salvation was, was possible only through the church. So you got saved in church. You got saved through the agency of, of priests and, and teachers like uh, in the church. Uh, but, of course, Martin Luther came along at the Refor Reformation and one of his main ob objections to the Catholic Church was this idea that salvation could only come through the church. He said, no, that's not true. Salvation is a gift of God that's available to anybody. You don't have to be in the church to get saved. It's direct. It's personal. And, uh, you know, we all know about Martin Luther. In fact, this is his 500-year anniversary. Uh, 500 years ago, he pounded uh, his little, little letter on the church door. And one of his points, well, several of his points related to this issue that, no, God can save anybody directly, right? And so he came up with his five, five solas. Uh, it, is, it is through faith alone. It, it, 
through the authority of Scripture alone, through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Right? Salvation is something God does. So after the Reformation, uh, kind of a, kind of rocked people's world because you could get saved outside of the church. Um, now, uh, the... the the the, um, the reformers believed that while the church was not essential for salvation, it was essential for spiritual growth and maturity. Uh, that you didn't need the church to get saved. But once you were saved, you need to be plugged into a local body of believers in order to help you grow and mature and become all that Christ wanted you to be. What's happened over the past 500 years since Luther is that We've, we've, we've really got confused about the universal church and the visible church. Um, it is true that we have come to, you know, we, we affirm, and I would affirm, and I would believe, I'm with Luther on this one, you don't need the church to get saved. In fact, I would be curious, how many, raise your hand, how many of you got saved really quite apart from any direct ministry of a church? Raise your hand. Okay, living proof, see? Um, uh, of course, you can't get saved through the church. So that's that's not bad. It's not wrong. It's like you have a defective salvation. Okay, that's okay. Uh, but the point is, uh, it's not not required, not necessary. Um, the problem is that we've we've expanded that now to this idea that the church is also not necessary for your your spiritual growth and maturity. And largely in the modern world, this 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 thinking has kind of taken off. This idea that Salvation is personal. It's a matter of God's direct intervention in my life. And so all, pe- all saved people make up the church universal, which is true, whether they are assembled into any visible group or not. So therefore, meeting together is considered optional and unnecessary. And this trend is actually growing more and more in this, this kind of attitude and mentality. Uh, and I really think it largely flows out of this misunderstanding that, yeah, the church is not essential for salvation, but that gets extended to the rest of my spiritual life. That I don't need the church. All I need is God. God saved by me and Jesus, and I, I can live my Christian life just me and Jesus. Um, but that's not actually uh, a correct understanding of the, uh, the doctrine of the universal church. That really is a, a, a doctrine of what um, uh, Erickson calls the individualistic church, right? The individualistic church. It's all about me and God. But the Bible clearly teaches two truths about the church. One, the church is not necessary for salvation. Amen. But secondly, the Bible clearly teaches that the church is vital and essential for every person's spiritual development and growth. You cannot become the person God wants you to be and grow into the the maturity and godliness that he intends for you by yourself. You need, and God, God's provided as an agent to make us grow, the local body of believers, the community that's called the church. And that's true not only for you, it's true for me. Right? I, I can't be what God wants me to be apart from the ministry of you in my life. So we minister to each other. Uh, and we don't have time to look at all the passages. We're going to look in a, a little bit at it, but that's what all these, vision, these, these images in Scripture of the body of Christ are about. Right? And, and you study those in depth. It's clear that your spiritual growth is dependent on each other. Right? It's not a solo venture. And so the problem is because that's largely understood, 
uh, a lot of people don't get what church is for. Right? They think, well, my salvation is me and God. I don't know why we need to gather. And it's really remarkable in this community. I mean, here's the numbers. There's, by estimates, three to 4,000 missionaries. And presumably missionaries are people who know Jesus and actually are committed at some level to serving him in obedience. Right? Three, 4,000 people. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a good chunk of those people who do not attend church anywhere. Or uh, kind of have their own version of church that um, I don't think fits the definition of what biblical church is. All right. So, so we need community, um, and, you, you may, and, and this community needs to be visible, not just universal. And here's why. Everybody ready for this? This is why you need visible hands-on community, not just some out there universal community. The reason is because sooner or later you will all have to move houses. Okay. My daughter, Kashara, moved house last week. And, you know, you need friends for this. Uh, you don't want to do this by yourself. Um, and the thing is, you can talk all day about being part of this universal church. That's me and the Apostle Paul and James and John and Martin Luther, right? Call those guys when you have to move. Right? They're no help. They're going to be in heaven like going, yeah, go you. You rock, man. Right? We, we need, and not just for movement, but for lots of life, right? We need community. We need relationships. We need people. So, so this, whole, this whole idea that you can belong to the universal church and not belong to the visible church is a fallacy and a lie of Satan. You can't. Right? Well, you can, but you can't do that and live out the life that God calls you to in obedience. Right? Being a part of the universal church is assumed that you will be connected and plugged into the local visible church. And the reason is that church is, com- church is community. Right, so that's the second point. The church is community. And by that we mean not just the community of Peter, James, John, and Martin Luther. We mean the people who are alive here and now who live close enough to you that you can have community with them. Right, so you, you can be a member of a church back in your home country, but it's going to be difficult to have ongoing community with those people because they're not local enough. Right, you need community that's local and that's visible, that's tangible and real. That's the, the visible church. So the church is community. Uh, it's real. It's visible. It's local. Um, and uh, uh, Scripture gives us at least three, probably more, but at least three ways in which this community is possible only in the visible church. Right? So let's look at what community means in Scripture. First off, community is meeting together. Community is meetings. Right? I kind of hate that because I don't really like meetings so much. It's ironic. Um, but the reality is you cannot have community if you don't meet together. Now, it's true that the church is not a building, but the church is meeting. It is meeting together. In fact, you see this in Acts chapter 2. On the very birth of the church, the very first day of the church's existence at Pentecost, you know what they do? They have a meeting. (laughs) They meet together. Acts 2.46, and day by day, day by day, they didn't just meet once a week, by the way, day by day, every day, they were attending the temple together. 
And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Right, so they met daily. And they met daily in two places. One, they met in a large group in the temple, 3,000 on the very first day, and growing after that. Uh, for those who say a megachurch can't be the, church, the real church, they didn't read Acts. Because the very first church, the very way it started out was a megachurch, 3,000 people, boom, off the bat. And it grew from there. Later on, it's five, six, seven thousand people. And yes, they met together in a group at the temple. The awesome scene, right? The temple, 5,000 people showing up to praise God together. And they met in homes, right? They celebrated, it says they broke bread together. Broke bread can mean two things. It can mean sharing a meal together. It can also mean taking the Lord's Supper. Which was it? Yes, <laughs> It was both, right? Because in those days, they took the Lord's Supper as a meal together, right? So instead of a little cracker and a little thimble, worthless thing of juice, right? No, they were, I mean, they were tanking down the whole glass of wine, right? And they were, having meal, they were eating a meal together and remembering the Lord's death in their homes, right? They weren't doing this with 3,000. They weren't having a meal, 5,000 people, right? We have a hard enough time pulling it off here with a couple hundred uh, so they were meeting in, in large, large groups and small groups, but they were meeting together. Uh, and community just can't happen without meeting. Uh, it, it requires coming together. And even in the day of, of Facebook, somebody's going to say, well, I have a chat group on Facebook or Messenger or whatever. And we chat all the time. And granted, there, there can be some level of community there. But the kind of community, as we'll see in a moment, the kind of relationship that God's talking about requires meeting, coming together. Um, and, and they met together with a certain devoted focus. Acts 2.42, I love this verse. It says, and they devoted themselves, but they were committed to this. It was not casual. It was very intentional. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Okay, there's that communion again, celebrating the Lord's Supper, but in the context for them of home-cooked meals. Amen. And, and, and prayers, devoting themselves to prayers. So, so the visible church is a community that is devoted to meeting together regularly, regularly for the purpose of listening to the gospel proclaimed, listening to biblical preaching, uh, committed to engaging in fellowship with others and like face-to-face -face relationships, in participating in, in communion together, celebrating the Lord's Supper, and praying with each other and for each other. All right, so that's the first thing. Community is meeting. Secondly, community is relationship. It's relationship. Um, again, we'll, uh, Acts talks about this, and you, you, you're all familiar with the word koinonia. And koinonia, we, ought, we mostly understand, is this word for fellowship. Um, and oftentimes we think, yeah, you know, I go out, I have coffee with my friends at Starbucks. I had koinonia. I had fellowship. And at some level, that's true. Because the word koinonia does mean just fellowship, just getting together, interacting, having relationship. Uh, but when you see how it's applied in Acts, especially in Acts chapter 2 and 4, you see that it has a deeper meaning. And in Acts chapter 4, it's also translated as having all things in common, have all things in fellowship, in koinonia. And in Acts 4.32, notice what it says. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. 
Everything in, in fellowship, in koinonia. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's and great grace was upon them. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as, the, as any had need. Uh, most people just, just, just you know, fear this verse. <laughs> Because they're sure that the preacher is going to say, okay, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to have you just empty your bank accounts. And you're just going to give everything you own to me and I'm going to just distribute it. Okay. Well, that's what they did. I don't know that that's really what God calls us to for a lot of reasons. Um, but, but the important thing is this. A principle we can get out of this is that fellowship is a kind of relationship that's not just superficial or casual. Right? It's just not superficial conversation where you get together, together and talk about the weather or you know, how bad the traffic is in Thailand or a great one for us because we all travel. We can all spend hours talking about airport adventures, right? Well, that's nothing because usually there were, I, one time I was in such and such a place and you know, we had to parachute out of the plane. Um, right? We can talk forever about those things. Okay, but he's talking here about a, a fellowship, a relationship that's, that's more than that. And if I, could, if I could summarize it or pull out a principle, I would describe it this way. Koinonia describes a relationship that knows a person so well that you're able to identify their needs and cares for that person enough to do something about it. You know that person. You know what they need. You know what's going on in their life. You have enough relationship to know them. And you care enough to actually do something about it. Now, we can't solve everybody's problems. And, and I'm not saying we, should, we are the solution to everybody's problems. But we should care enough to want to help. Right? Even if it means all we can do is seriously pray for someone. Right? That's part of it. Uh, to give, to help, to encourage, to listen to support, come alongside, right? That is koinonia, uh, fellowship, relationship. So community is that kind of relationship. Thirdly, community is unity. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but um, let's, let's jump down to John 17. Jesus prays, I do not ask only for these, but also for all those who will believe me through, through the preaching of the apostles, through their word preaching of the apostles, that they may all be one. Right? Uh, God calls us and challenges us to be a people who are a community that is one. Well, what does that mean? What is unity? It's not tolerance. Okay, It's not just tolerating each other. It, it is being one like the Father and Son were one. It means we are one in purpose. We are on the same mission. We hold to the same truth. And we share the same love for each other. So Ephesians, Paul's able to write, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Okay, unity requires a little bit of patience. Um, Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs, uh, that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. 
Right, so that's what community is. Community is those three things. It's, it is meeting together. It's, it's meeting together where we have relationship. And it's meeting together with a common mission, vision, purpose, uh, theology, beliefs, uh, and love for each other. Uh, lastly, it is also community with purpose. Um, and, um, and we see this purpose unfolding again. I don't know why it's always threes. I mean, I like the number three. It's Trinitarian. But um, three, three ways that we as a community minister or serve or, or um, are on mission together. The first one is that we are a community that ministers to God. We are a community that ministers to God. When we gather on Sunday mornings and we meet, whether it's in this or in a small group or wherever, one of the things that we should be about, in fact, I think one of the most important things we should be about, at the top of our list is that we gather to minister to God. Unfortunately, in, in the modern world, not only is the church overly individualistic, it is oftentimes overly consumeristic. And people come to church purely for selfish reasons, right? We, we, we go to church that is convenient for us. And we don't join a church. We don't plug into a church. We attend a church, right? It's like going to a movie. I show up and, and I show up to get something, right? And, and if, it, if it involves too much, if, it, if there's any sacrifice involved, if it's not entertaining enough, if it's not interesting enough, if it's not relevant enough, I can get something out of it. We say, I'm not going back to that church because that church is not for me, right? Um, you know, we live in a day with cars where we can drive everywhere. And I, I've had people complain a lot that they have, to try, they have to drive in their air-conditioned car a whole 25 minutes to get to church. Right? I was in China several years. I met a guy who every Sunday walked four hours, four hours, one way to church every single Sunday. We have this consumer mentality of the church that says, church is about me. But, but that is not our first priority. Our first priority is actually to minister to God. It was awesome. The worship set this morning, just awesome. I mean, as we were singing um, those songs, holy, 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 crown him with many crowns. And you guys sing great, awesome. But I was just blown away hearing us sing. And I'm telling you, God in heaven was blown away. Right? He is blessed when we come together and we praise His name. Right? We minister to Him. We rejoice in Him and it brings joy to His heart. First Peter 2.4-9 says this, As you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That's Jesus. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are built together. Again, it's this idea of community. Right? What I am as, as, a, build, as, a, as a stone by myself is, is something, but it's nothing like what I am when I'm being built together with this holy temple to offer spiritual sacrifices. Verse 9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies 
of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, we glorify God in our praise and our worship. We glorify God when our community is unified. Romans 15:7 says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing, right? That's what community does. And you can't do that if you don't show up and meet. Right? Your voice cannot join as one with other believers when you're off doing Jesus by yourself. Right? Now, you can praise Him, and, and God loves that. But there is so much more to your worship when you join with other believers. Right? It ministers and blesses God so much more. With, where with one voice, together we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, if, if, if all we ever do on Sunday morning is just bless God, we've gone far in being a church. Right? Now, I don't think that's the only thing. And I think churches that focus only on worship and miss the next two things become weak and imbalanced. Right? So we have to do all three. But certainly, this is a major one. Right? Second one, the church is a community that ministers to believers. Right? We should be a church that ministers to each other. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11-16 spells this out brilliantly. God gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. He gave gifted people who are gifted in the ministry of the Word. They're all gifts related to proclaiming God's Word. Right? And what is their job? Their job is to do all the ministry in the church, right? Amen. Preach it, Brother Tim. No! Wrong! Wrong! That's not what it says. It says he's given them to, given these people to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Right? My job is to equip you so that you can do the, the ministry of, of raising each other up, building each other up, growing each other up as a body into maturity in Christ. Right? For the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, that's your job, not mine. That's why we need community. It is your job to build up the body of Christ into maturity. If our body is immature, it could be my fault because I'm not my fault and the elders because we're not equipping you. Or it could be your fault because you're equipped and you're not, you're not building each other up. Right? Uh, <clears throat> until we attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so we're not there until we're all like Jesus. Willie's getting pretty close, right? Some of the rest of you got a ways to go. He laughed, <laughs> right? Right? We got a ways to go to get everybody to maturity, right? That's the, the responsibility of all of us as a community. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And I'm telling you right now, our high school kids are being destroyed by by the cunningness of, of human thinking in these, these schemes, right? Um, your kids are at risk, and they need to be plugged into Christian community where they are being built up so they can stand on their own two feet when they go out into the world that wants to consume them, devour them. Rather, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined to, and held together by every joint which it, with which it is equipped, 
When each part is working properly, each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, you can't get away from this passage and say, I don't need the church. To say that means I'm happy being spiritually immature and childish for the rest of my life. Because it's clear here. If you want to grow and mature in Christ, reach the, the fullness of maturity in Christ, the stature of Christ, you need the body of Christ. You need the community of a local fellowship of believers. Right? Uh, and it's, it's community. Right? It's something we do together in community. Lastly, the church is a community that ministers to the world. Right? We have a ministry to the world through evangelism and through mercy ministry. And we're out of time, so I'm, going to, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, but, but the point I want to make here is that, uh, that even there, uh, our, our, we are most effective as the church when we do it in community. Uh, John 17:21 again, where Jesus prays, he says, uh, I pray that, in verse 22, that the, the glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know. Right? Here's the thing. You can be pretty effective on your own in evangelism, but never, never anywhere close to effective as, the, as, as we can be together in community. Right? Our greatest apologetic, our greatest defense that the gospel is true is our relationship together in community. What we can do together as the body of Christ is so much greater than any of us can do alone. Um, so let's so let's, let's all I got to do with covenant community. My plan. Okay, back to my plan. These are all biblical principles that are uh, Scripture clearly teaches about how we are to be the body of Christ. The covenant community is not itself biblical. Okay, it's based on biblical principles, but it's something I made up. Okay, so. Um, I hope it's something that will help us do these things better. But it's not, it's, it's not like all churches everywhere have to do this. It's not like God commanded live in covenant community, okay? Um, but I, I, uh, it's an effort at saying this is what community is, right? This is what we want to be as a people of God. We want to be a people who minister to God through Christ-centered uh, Christ-honoring sermons that lift up Jesus more than just give insight for living. Sorry, Chuck Swindoll, for those of you old people who knew him. Um, you know, our preaching isn't just practical. It, it should be that, but it should be also Christ-exalting. Um, that, that we work and plan for vibrant, joyful worship that it is, is a response to that Christ-exalting preaching. Those two things go together. We work at that. We, and it's amazing you know, the, the worship leaders do an incredible job giving music that's a response to the word, right? And it's powerful. So, so we strive to minister to God through those things, right? We gather for the purpose of glorifying him. Secondly, we do desire to minister to believers, right? We want to be a church that's equipping you, that's ministering to you, that's blessing you through sermons, through children and youth ministry, through home Bible studies. But we also want to be a catalyst to help develop life-giving relationships in fellowship, Right? So, so we have coffee and donuts. Right? Now you may not think coffee and donuts. And downstairs we pay like a lot of money actually to buy those snacks. It's not just so that you don't have to eat breakfast, right? Maybe that's part of it. But, 
The focus is that you go down there and you hang out and you talk and you fellowship and food has a way of bringing people together. And we spend the money on those snacks so that you will talk to each other and hopefully have more than just superficial conversations. Um, we do campfire nights, one coming up to help foster relationships, home groups. And, and we don't do home groups like as an exclusive program in CCF because it's just the nature of our community, right? You don't have to be in a, in a CCF home group, but we hope you're in a home group somewhere. Finally, um, well, so, so we, we also want to shepherd you better. And so the covenant, covenant community is a way for us to be, uh, as elders, knowing how to shepherd you, right? So uh, that's why it's important uh, to engage in the kind of relationship where the elders can know you well enough to know what you need, and there are people who care enough about you to, to help to do something. Finally, we, we are a, a community that worships, uh, that ministers to the world. Uh, we started the Family Connection Foundation as a foundation. Is the, is the outreach arm of CCF. We have 16 projects. We have about 200 volunteers. Uh, CCF supports FCF through our offerings. About 25% of our, our offerings go to support those ministries. Uh, so we, we're very intentional about reaching out to the world. But also, you are all out reaching the world, right? And so we want to support you. We, we reach out formally through some of the stuff we do, but also by just supporting you and equipping you to, do, to, to reach the world, right? To reach the world for Christ. Okay, next week we'll talk about the commitment part of it, the, the covenant part of it. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Thank you.